Scripture reading this morning comes from Colossians chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. Colossians 2, 1 through 8. For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words, for though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the Spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in, in it with thanksgiving. Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Good morning. Good to see everybody this morning. I do want to uh, tell you, again, emphasis, this Saturday will be our gospel meeting. We'll be meeting here at 5 o'clock. We're going to have three speakers that night. We're going to eat together. We're going to fellowship together. It's going to be a very good thing. Usually gospel meetings will be three or four days or a whole week. We got it all in one. So, and we got different speakers around that are coming to that. So please mark that on your calendar and be a part of it. Very good thing. So this morning we're going to look at Christians growing. So I'm thinking about the gospel meeting. I'm thinking about lots of scriptures and trying to think of what's going to be the best message from us from the Bible and from the scriptures on how we should live and things that we should take up. Why do we want to be a part of the gospel meeting? One of the things that first came to my mind was Acts chapter 20. And so Paul is traveling around in one of his missionary journeys. And he's been three months over in Greece near Corinth. And he thought about selling out at Sincrea at the port there. Instead, he goes up through Macedonia. I know you might not picture all this in your head. I can. I can see him, the land and going through Macedonia. And he, he travels up there and he finally comes around to the Anatola or where Turkey is today to a city called Troas. And he goes to that city of Troas and kind of has a gospel meeting. He shows up on a Sunday. Actually, he's there for seven days. And he's there on Sunday and they speak. Uh, he speaks till midnight. And you kind of get this first thing of a gospel meeting. After that, he continues traveling. So that's one of the things that came to my mind. But we want to look at some of the scriptures this morning tied in uh, very much with this. So Christians growing. And what we see in scriptures is that we need one another to grow. We need the assembly. We need to gather together and be together to grow spiritually. I think sometimes, and maybe you felt that way, that you ever felt like God was distant Maybe that he was too far away, that he was too transcendent to hear your prayers, or maybe your sins have separated you from him. And the Bible has told us over and over again that God is not far from us, from any one of us, that we cannot seek him and find him. And this time is usually the best time of the year. About the time of Easter or Passover, a lot of people who have drifted away from church are most willing to come and to visit, to have their friends and family to visit with them, to come to church. In fact, the statistics show that 8 out of 10 people will come and visit the church if we would just invite them, friends and family. So I encourage you to think about that with the gospel meeting coming up. Uh, those you know personally, 
This is the time of the year. This is the reason why we put, I plan to put the gospel meeting in between Easter and Mother's Day, this time of the year when a lot of people, because of those days and the thoughts that are going on, that people will want to come to church. They're thinking about coming back to church. Good time to invite them. So we want to grow closer. We want to grow closer to God. We want to grow spiritually. And I got six things I want to share with you this morning on ways to grow closer that the Bible teaches. And I'm going to start with three, and we'll come back and I'll give you the rest of three at the end of the lesson. But here are three that stand out to me. Number one, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 15 that we want to speak the truth together to grow in Christ. We want to speak the truth together to grow in Christ. Here's the truth. Here's the gospel. When does that take place? It takes place when we're together. When we open up the Word, when we discuss it together, when we pray together, when we encourage one another, when we set an example for one another and how we behave as Christians. And so we're going to look a little bit closer at this passage a little bit later, and we're going to read it in Ephesians chapter 4. Another thing we see here, Ephesians chapter 4, next verse, verse 16. It says this in the Scripture, that if we work together, Christ will make the church grow and build it up. If everybody, he says, is doing their share and doing their part, then the church will grow. It's a promise right there in Scripture. So we look at that. These should be some of our goals. I want to grow. I want the church to grow. I need my brethren. I mean, we need to be together and encouraging one another. And it involves me doing my part. My part may be I'm coming to Bible class. I might be organizing a Bible class. I might be having a Bible study in my home. It could be contacting people who haven't been able to be here, who have been sick. A lot of things we can do in, in encouraging study and unity in that area. And so the third thing I see here, right here in Ephesians 4, is we need to seek leadership to equip and build the church. Now in Ephesians 4, the leadership here, he gives a, a list of them. Apostles and prophets are among them. He also includes among them evangelists, pastors, that is our elders, and then teachers in the church who are to be equipping the congregation and helping it to be built up in the right direction. So we need to be seeking their leadership. I think a lot of us have a natural desire as a Christian. I want to grow more. I want to see the example of another Christian. I want to see their love, their commitment, and their dedication in life. I want to follow them. So those are three we want to look at, and we're going to come back and look at three more. This is an observation I see here in Scripture. A few weeks ago, we went through Revelation chapter 2 through 3. We looked at three of the churches of Asia Minor. There and mentioned the book, on the book of Revelation, Revelations 2 through 3. And we saw churches there that were dying, five of them, and we saw two of them that were alive. In fact, I could say one of them appeared like they were essentially a dead church. And then we look at churches like Corinth and 1 Corinthians and others and some of the problems that churches go through. And this is the three things that stands out, their characteristics about a church that's dying and a healthy church. You're going to see that they line up. This is it. So they lack a togetherness and sharing in God's word. So when we're just here and we're a part of the assembly and it's good to be in the assembly, this is the time when we stir one another to love and good works, when we fellowship with one another, but there's much more. The Bible talks about Christians spending more time with one another, not just in the assembly, and not just, well, I've gone to worship, and I can check this off, and I'm done. This Christianity, our faith, is an everyday faith. It's a commitment of your whole life and a commitment to one another in the congregation. 
And I'd say that's the number one thing for churches dying. They're not studying the Bible. They've gotten away with it. They're going along with what culture says, what society says, and we're going to see the effects of that as well. The second thing here is a lack of work because of a lack of love. Remember, we saw that with the churches mentioned in Revelation. The church at Ephesus, they left their first works. They stopped doing them because they left their first love. So that's the reason why churches die. They stop loving God and being so committed to him. And then number three, they're com- compromising the truth for immorality. So today people will, will tell us different. The culture will say to us, the world will say, well, you believe that, but it offends me and it bothers me. But this is the truth. It is the faith. And when we start compromising on basic teachings and doctrines in the Bible, Things can very much get out of order, and we can go into to error. And throughout 1 Corinthians, Paul warned about this. He said to that church there, you don't believe in the resurrection anymore, the final resurrection that's coming. And when you don't believe that, and you've gone along with culture, that's affected your morality. It's, a, it's affected the way that you, you behave. He says, no, the resurrection is very important. Why? Because we believe that Jesus died that he was buried, and that he rose again. He conquered that curse of the death that he bore on the cross, and he came back to life. That is the Christian gospel, the message of the church. On the other side, what do we see about sound, healthy churches? This is what we see. They're sharing God's word with each other. They're sharing the Bible. They're teaching the truth together. Have a fellowship together. I love that about our Bible classes when we get together, we can talk together, we can study together. We can pray together. We need to do that more. Uh, we need more Bible classes, especially on, on a Sunday morning. Right now, we only have one. We used to have two. Uh, we probably need three or more to where we can do that, where our focus is on God's Word together. Again, learning from Ephesus, learning from uh, the church there in Revelation chapter 2, the church at Ephesus, they uh, were, weren't working from God's love, and they needed to go back to it. So churches that grow, they operate on God's love. They love what Jesus did for them, that he died for them. He bore the curse. He rose again. They love that. And they live for Christ. They've given their life to God. And then thirdly, they uphold the truth in the face of error. We are not going to compromise the Bible. We're not going to give up on what Jesus taught or what his apostles taught. The Bible has been maintained and kept together perfectly for 2,000 years. There are no errors in it, no change of doctrine, and we need to hold to that. As a church, we have no reason to compromise that. When we read this, this verse has come up a lot, this passage on our Sunday night series. We've been talking about confronting unbelief, and here's one. And once I presented that sermon that Sunday night, I had a few of you come up to me and say, you need to preach that on Sunday morning. So this is me kind of getting a glimpse of that right here. So Christians, we must fellowship together or we will fall away from Christ. Anybody in here who's gone away from the church for a little while, you know that's true. You know the sin that's come into your life, the deceitfulness, how the world affects you because you've gotten away from other Christians and fellowship with them and studying together. And you can see how it affects you. This is what the writer of Hebrews says. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Exhort one another. Encourage one another. That's what he means. 
urge one another to do what is right, to stay true. You got to stay together. Otherwise, you will be hardened. And you've known that. You probably have someone, family, and you're a member of your family who's drifted away, and you can see them hardening. You can see the calcification there, how callous that they can become in their, their spiritual life. We don't want any part of that. So we know the importance of the assembly, of gathering a Bible class and Bible study. And I would say from my experience, again, I see this. Sometimes you have some brethren in the church, and you can look in their eyes, you can hear the way that they're talking, and you're not surprised to see them drift away. And after so many years, you can see that about to happen. You can see those who are struggling, those who need to be encouraged. Here's our main passage from this morning. So if you have your Bible, you can open it up to the book of Colossians. Right here in Colossians chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 1 through 5, make some observations from the text. But this is what stands out to me. This is what Chris had read for us this morning already. So Paul struggled. He says he struggled to encourage the hearts of those whom he had not seen face to face. He had not seen these Christians who lived in Laodicea and Colossae. He was in prison. And I, I know he longed to be with Christians and the fellowship with them and to study with them and to go to this church. And he speaks from his heart. He says, I struggle. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage your hearts because I can't see you face to face. He says this, Paul strove to encourage these Christians to unite together in love. His unity and love can overcome a multitude of sin. We want to love one another. We also see this. The apostle was seeking for them to reach full assurance of the understanding and knowledge of Christ. You want to grow in your knowledge. You want to grow in your faith and in assurance. You've got to be together as Christians. And he was, arg- he was pleading with them and urging them, don't be deluded. Don't be deceived by the false teachings and arguments around. He wanted to make sure that this church stood strong. So let's read the passage here. Colossians 2, and look at verses 1 through 5. Paul says, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea, and for all who I have not seen, who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of the full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom all things hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in the body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. And yes, you know, when you hear about someone that you have baptized or you've helped lead them to come to Christ and they move away, whether they've moved out of state or out of country, and you hear about them staying true to the faith, you rejoice. I do that. I love to hear about my brothers and sisters, those I've grown up with, those who I've seen and I've spoken with, who have become Christians through study, and to hear that they're doing well and that they're faithful, faithful in the church and to the gospel. Now we want to look here in Colossians 2. I'm just going to read 1 through 8 here. Verse 9 is also very good to the passage. Let's look in here, uh, verse 6 through 8. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the 
elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. And he goes on here in verse 9, he says, For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, that is in Jesus. And later on, Paul will say this about these traditions, these things that were affecting this church. He says in verse 17, These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Talking about the old law, the Old Testament, and the law of Moses. So it was just a shadow leading to Christ. Christians must walk in Christ. We see that here. Christians must stay rooted and established in the faith that's taught and needs to be taught and it needs to come with abounding in thanksgiving, thanking God for what we have and what we've been taught here. And then Christians must watch out for those who will take captive through philosophy and deceit according to human tradition. So that's our exposition this morning. We want to gain encouragement from this as Paul was desiring to be in fellowship with them. So we asked the question this morning, do you need the church or can you make it alone? Do you need a church or can you make it alone? The church is the body and Christians the believers of Christ. Well, Jesus said he came to build his church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. So do you need the church? Yes. Otherwise, why did Jesus build it? Why did he die for it and give his blood for the church? He gave it and he built it and we need it, need to be a part of this body. Nothing in the Bible indicates that the church is optional. Everything about the Scriptures have taught us we need to be a part of the body of Christ, to be a part, a, a Christian in the congregation, active, studying with others, encouraging others, or we will fall away. And as we've noticed here in Colossians, you can hear it from Paul. Paul is, has this desire, I want to be in fellowship face-to-face -face, despite the fact that he was in prison. He says, I'm with you in spirit, even though I can't be with you in body. And to some of us, that might put us to shame. I remember Brother Frank used to say when he was sick and he couldn't come to church, he says, I want to be there. I want to be there every time the doors are open and when I'm not there, something just doesn't feel right, even if I'm not feeling well. And when I hear Paul say, I want to be there, I hear a very similar sentiment. And on the same time, we might be here in body and not be here in spirit and not be here in our mind. We want to be aware of that. We want to have a desire like the Apostle Paul. This is what we see in scriptures about the Christian growth. Christians grow and churches grow when they share the word together. It's seen throughout the book of Acts and it's true today. When I hear about churches growing and I see these churches of Christ that are doing well and teaching more people and growing, they've emphasized this. They emphasize spending time together, praying together, studying God's word together. They are alive and they're vibrant and they're doing good things and works and they continue to increase. And we need to look to that example we see in the book of Acts. When the church began in Acts chapter 2, Peter preached the sermon. And he preached that Jesus rose from the dead and 3,000 people that day believed and they were baptized, became a part of the church. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the doctrine, to the breaking of bread, to fellowship with one another. They were committed. In Acts chapter 5 and verse 42, it says they studied with one another from house to house. In Acts chapter 6 and verse 7, they continue to increase and to grow and to spread the gospel together, fellowshipping together, studying from house to house. Acts chapter 10, you have an example of Cornelius bringing people in to his house to hear the gospel preached. Acts chapter 12 and verse 12, Peter's put in prison. So a bunch of Christians gather together in Mary's house. And in Mary's house, the mother of John Mark, 
They pray together until Peter is released from prison and is able to come to them. Acts 20 and verse 20, the church is still growing. And they gather together to pray and they study God's word from house to house. They were together, together in fellowship, encouraging one another. That's what the church looked like when it was growing. That's how churches grew. And we see this throughout the scriptures. We want to grow personally. I need to grow with the church as well. Christians must want to grow. We've got to have a desire for it, a longing for it. In Ephesians 4, 15 and 16, this is what Paul was saying. I'd referenced this scripture before. Rather, speaking the truth in love. Notice that. Now, the word for speaking the truth here, it's actually one Greek word. The word truth in a verb form, a participle. It's like you're truthing together. You're, you're fellowshipping in the truth together. You're sharing the truth together. You could translate it in that way. So he's speaking the truth in love. And we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body. So the body is the church. Christ is the head. Joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So we see that every part of the congregation needs to be doing right. It needs to be equipped, working properly. And it gets equipped from the teaching of God's Word, being in fellowship and studying the Bible. If you got your Bible, and you can look this up, Ephesians 4, 15 and 16, back up to 11 and 12, and there again, the leaders are the ones who equip you, give you what you need to grow. And I told you toward the end of the lesson, we'd come back to those six things we need to grow. And this comes out of the lesson. So we looked at three. We're going to look at the last three. So number four, what we've seen this morning is you need to devote yourselves to the apostles' teaching and togetherness. You imagine the first church, and you think about Acts chapter 2, and you think about Peter's preaching there. The Jews he were preaching to believed, most of them believed in a final day when the dead will come out of the tombs, when they will be raised. And Peter comes preaching to them saying, there's one who has come before any other. Jesus died on the cross. He was buried and he rose again to give you an assurance to be the first fruit of that final day of resurrection. And if you heard that and you believed it and you're thinking, I want the resurrection. I know Jesus was a good man and did miracles. I know he was the Messiah and he did wonderful things. I want to listen to him. I want to hear his words. I'm going to be committed to the teaching that comes from his apostles who learned from him. So they were devoted. They were in fellowship together. They broke the bread together. In fact, when it says breaking bread, it says in Greek, the breaking of the bread. What is that? What's the breaking of the bread? 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 16, it is the Lord's Supper, the meal we partook of this morning. The breaking of the bread. They had a communion there. Number five, they communed together. They fellowshiped together in the breaking of the bread and in prayers together. They were committed. And we see this also, that those who are growing together grow personally and they grow closer to God. Number six, they lay a foundation of Christ and build on it and none other. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. He is the foundation. He is the basis of all doctrine and teaching from which we work and do what is right and grow. And Paul says that's how we grow. God gives the increase. We want to plant the seed. We want to water that seed. And God gives the increase. 1 Corinthians 3, 6 through 15. This morning, I hope to encourage you, grow together. 
Spend more time together in fellowship and Bible study, Bible class. Make sure that you're committed to it as much as you can. Start studies in your home. Read on your own. Study God's word. Be able to give a defense of the hope that is within you. 1 Peter 3 and verse 15. I want you to listen here again about the first church and how they grew together. Acts 2, 41 and 42. So those who received his word were baptized And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. I encourage you, if you do one thing this morning, to grow. I gave you that list of six things. Here's the one thing you can do. Acts chapter 2, 41 and 42. Remember and model this scripture. I will be devoted I will look to be in fellowship with my brethren. I want to partake of the Lord's Supper and fellowship with my Christian family. And I want them praying for me and I want to pray for them. That's what the church needs. This morning, if you want to start a new life as a Christian, if you need to repent and turn away from sins in your life, you can do it. You can start, and this is how you start. Those who are baptized, it says, are added to the church, to the body, to the believers in Jesus Christ. You become a Christian, and at that point, you start a new life. The Bible says this about those who become Christians. The first, you've got to confess the faith that Jesus is the Lord and that he rose from the dead. And number two, you've got to become like Christ. You've got to die with him to sin, just like Jesus died on the cross. Be buried with him in baptism as Jesus was buried in the ground. Rise up into a new life because Christ rose up to a new life. And there you can have the blessings of eternal life. The Bible says we're saved when we rise up, when we rise up with Christ. This morning, I hope these scriptures encourage you. This is what we need as Christians. And I hope you desire this as much as I do. And I look at these scriptures, how much it's important we need one another. Now you might need us. You might need us to pray for you. You might need to hear the gospel in its fullness and then to be baptized. We encourage you, whatever your needs may be, come right now while we stand and while we sing. Please come.